Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to episode 90 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk all about polarizing your runs with head coach of the LA Roadrunners, David Levine. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got The Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational, and let the Marathon Running Podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond. Hey, runners, welcome to episode 90. Hi, Letty and runners. Hey, Ryan, how's it going? Pretty good. You must be doing pretty good. You just came in here with your running clothes on. <laughs> so I had to work far away and I figured you're in a new place. Well, I shouldn't say new. I have to work there sometimes, but not that often. So I was like, hey, it's a new place to run. I kind of like doing that. So I like running in different places too. It kind of mixes it up a little bit. Definitely does. And you know what really mixes it up? What else mixes it up? Polarizing your runs. So what do you mean by polarizing? So it's kind of a newer concept and it uh, refers to incorporating intensities that are both well below and well above a runner's threshold. So it seems like nowadays the view is that rather than running too close to your goal pace all the time, it's better to run faster and then on your slow days you run really slow. What's really slow? So I would say like a minute to two minutes slower than your marathon pace. Have you noticed any changes in your running? I feel like I do. Well, first of all, I kind of enjoy them more because going really as slow as I feel like allows me to really recover well and then go a lot faster on the days where I speed work. And another piece of data I'm going to give you, and I don't know if it's because my watch is newer. I'm new to the Garmin world. I've had a Garmin since September, but my VO2 max has gone up five points since I've started doing this. And you know how your Garmin watch gives you feedback. Well, now every time I run really slow, I get some positive feedback. Because those are super accurate watches. <laughs> no, hopefully it's actually true. Hopefully it actually does give you realistic data. And we have um, somebody, our guest, which is David Levine from the LA Roadrunners, who talks to us about not just that it works, but really what goes on inside of your body and how it works. You know, as you know, I like to ask the question, why? Because I learn based on understanding. And if somebody tells me, okay, now you got to run really slow and then you got to run fast, I want to know why you have to do that. And I feel like he has some really great answers. So are you ready to hop into this uh, conversation? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. All right. So I'm back on here with David Levine, head coach of the LA Roadrunners. David, thank you so much for coming back on here with me. Thanks for having me and your interest. Thank you. So for our new listeners or for those who 
don't remember, can you please remind us who you are and what you do? Well, uh, let's see. I'm a level two USA track and field coach, along with level two USA triathlon coach in endurance, both are endurance. Um, I co-wrote the Complete Idiot's Guide to Marathon Training, and I'm currently in charge of the LA Marathons training program, the LA Roadrunners. And I've been coaching for, oh my, I want to say it's about 18 years, something like that. Eight, 17, 18 years. I lost track with COVID. It's <laughs> it came to a standstill that year. But um, at any rate, in, in fact, we, we still went on and did virtual running track workouts, which is part of, I guess, the discussion that we're having today. We've, I've been coaching track workouts for about 17 years now, 18 years. That's awesome. That's a long time. And given your expertise and your knowledge, I wanted to talk to you about, um, well, I guess not as much of a controversial topic, but I guess in a way it still is. And we'll go into that in a little bit. Um, we wanted to talk about polarized running. So mm -hmm. maybe you can give us a definition yourself of what you consider polarized running. Sure. Uh, really simply off the top of my head, running at extremes. Um, running slow, the polarity of pace, running very, very fast, running very, very slow, or running at high heart rate or running at low heart rate. That's pretty much sums it up. And not most of your training somewhere in the middle where you don't gain as much as the extremes. Okay, perfect. And I'm glad you made that last comment because that tells me right then and there, if somebody hires you as a coach, That's the type of training they'll, they'll get. But as you know, every coach is different. So you have mm -hmm. all these different methods, such as the Hansen method, which is, I believe, oh, in that high great. volume works. Um, there's high okay. intensity, low mileage training. There's high mileage, low intensity training. So with that said, can you tell us about the benefits of what polarized training is supposed to do compared to other methods of training? Hmm. Well, first of all, I, I got to tell you, I agree with the Hansen method. I, I use, I, I didn't know of their method, but uh, at the time, but I use their method. I mean, I realized, came to realize that, yeah, we, same thinking, same mentality. I, I think, you know, somebody once summed it up. They said, everyone either loves uh, Arthur Lydiard approach to endurance training, which I'll explain in a minute, or hates Arthur Lydiard approach to endurance training, but they all do it. You know, it's all what all of those methods that you described really amount to kind of the same thing. You know, I mean, you need low heart rate work to build endurance. There are certain physiological benefits that you gain only from low heart rate to develop what we call a fat burning system that, that you do at lower heart rate, right? As you're just simply stated, As your heart rate goes higher and higher and higher, higher, you use less and less fat and more and more carbohydrate in the form of glycogen, right? Glycogen is a more limited reservoir. Fat is a more abundant reservoir. I, I love the fact that I'm using my hands on a recorded thing. No one will see. <laughs> But um, anyway, um, so simply stated, you can't maintain a high heart rate too long because it's a limited reservoir that creates fuel from carbs become glycogen. Glycogen becomes ATP. 
ATP, adenosine triphosphate is the fuel your body uses. I won't explain that. But um, you want to train those different energy systems. You want to train your fat burning system from low heart rate. You want to train your glycolic system from high heart rate or aerobic or anaerobic. Same thing, basically. Um, you want to train those different systems. So you run slow to develop that low heart rate system. Um, and that's part of, you know, when you talk about Hansen method, that's part, a big chunk of what they do, you know, like 85, 80% of what they do is low heart rate work because it's a more abundant reservoir you're working with. It's a more important reservoir that you need to develop, right? So even all of these, you know, when you talk endurance, you're talking low heart rate. You're not talking, you know, you'll note when you do a 5K, you're running way faster than you are when you're doing a marathon, you know, because you're, you're, you can use just glycogen and not use it up. Figure you got about 80, 90 minutes at 5K, 10K pace, and you're not going to run 80, 90 minutes at that heart rate, right? So you can go really fast on a 5K or a 10K and forget fat. You don't need it at all. You can go so high, you're not even consuming fat anymore, right? So, but on a marathon, you really need to develop that fat burning system. That's why most of these groups, Hansen's, all these other groups, you know, like 80, 85% of what they do is just low heart rate, slow, what we called conversational running, where, you know, I used to get on a phone call with a friend of mine who I coached for years and I wouldn't even know he was running. And he'd be doing like an 8.30 pace, which for him was slow because he was a sub three-hour marathoner very consistently. But for him, that was low heart rate. That was slow. And um, you, could, you couldn't tell. You couldn't hear him breathing. That's, that's what conversational pace is. You don't know they're, they're running fast because you don't hear them breathing. You don't hear pauses for breathing. All right. On the other hand, you know, there are so many things that you gain. You can have raised the bar once you have endurance, once you develop some of that volume. And even at the same time, while you're developing that volume of low heart rate, you can, you can raise the bar by doing speed work and make glycogen consuming more efficiently. Or really what happens is you're raising the bar where you're still utilizing fat at a higher intensity so you can go faster, farther. Okay. So basically what you're saying is you have two different systems. You have a low heart rate and a mm -hmm. high heart rate system. And aerobic, anaerobic. Uh -huh. Yes. And by running slow, you're trying to improve the low heart rate system to be more efficient, meaning also get faster because you're becoming more efficient in burning fat. Mm -hmm. And then as you try to do the speed work thing, where you're trying mm -hmm. to develop the high heart rate system, you mm -hmm. are you're raising the bar on where two things, actually, you're raising the bar on where you're still utilizing fat. Keep in mind, if you can use fat, you can go farther because it's a bigger reservoir of resource for fuel, right? So you want to be able to tap into that bigger reservoir that's not going to run out after 80, 90 minutes. You know, try doing a marathon as fast as you can for 80, 90 minutes. You may get to a point where you'll extend that, 
maybe some, you know, international runners can extend that to two hours of really fast, high heart rate running. I mean, from doing speed work. And that's a wonderful thing. But if you're not like around a two hour marathoner or you take your first few miles slow, you're going to burn out, hit the wall, and you're not going to do as well as you otherwise might do. Right. So you can't just do all speed work. That won't really work. Um, You know, I'll tell you something else. There are so many things that you get from low heart rate work. Here's here's three things. There, There are so many things you get from any pace, from any pace. There's a long laundry list of things you get from any pace. You just go out. You don't have any clue what you're doing. Fast, slow, whatever. Just run and you get like huge benefits. But at low heart rate, you get more capillary veins and arteries that go the smallest veins and arteries that go in and out of your muscle, right? Now, the great thing about that is when you're creating as a waste product, lactic acid, right? The lactate breaks off from the hydrogen molecule, one-to-one molecules, um, hydrogen and lactate, and the lactate, the hydrogen bonds with other stuff called cause other acids. That's the burning sensation in your legs, which goes away after a couple hours after a marathon. And then it's soreness because you've broken up muscle tissue. But the lactate, because of all these additional capillary veins and arteries, gets recycled faster through your, your body and becomes glycogen again. So if you do low heart rate running, you can recycle lactate quicker and turn it into a a resource glycogen that you use for fuel at a higher heart rate. So just by going slower, you become more efficient at going faster. Wow. Extraordinary because you can recycle this waste product more quickly, right? as opposed to have it just filling up your legs and slowing you down, you know? Um, Like that's just one, one, one reason why low heart rate running is important. You also develop more uh, oxidative enzymes so you can utilize fat more efficiently. You also develop more um, um, mitochondria. So there again, mitochondria are these weird little factories that are in, they're so small, they're inside every cell of your body. Mitochondria, they're they're that small. They're not even the size of a cell. They're inside your cell. And what mitochondria do is they'll take fat and carbohydrate, those resources for fuel, ATP, they'll take fat and carbohydrate and they'll turn it into ATP, the fuel your body uses. In every cell of your body, these things exist. Well, you get more of these things or bigger, or I forgot, I'm not sure science has really defined whether you get more of them or they become bigger. Regardless, they become more efficient because they're bigger or more of them or whatever. And um, you can take fat and turn it into fuel or carbs and turn it into fuel more efficiently, or I should say glycogen and turn it into fuel more efficiently. So suddenly you become even more efficient at utilizing fat and carbs quicker 
because these are you have these bigger factories in every cell of your body. So that you get only from low heart rate running. So low heart rate running, going slower than marathon pace, is essential to doing a marathon training. You know. Um, now the Hansen thing that I agree with is they don't recommend you go beyond 16 miles and pro athletes don't necessarily go beyond 16 miles. And I could go into that much, much more, which might be a whole other conversation, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I totally agree with that, uh, that, that system that they use. I mean, there's nothing that they recommend. I would not suggest. Uh, but it's a very similar system. Keep in mind the road runners do do 20 mile runs. I can't say that's the most efficient way of doing it, but we non-pro athletes, unfortunately, tend to load more volume onto the weekend. So it becomes just a practical thing, not more efficient, but more practical. So for your anaerobic, I'm sorry, for your high heart rate system in that case. So how do you improve that? Because we were kind of talking about how there is a 90 minute wall or 90 minute um, mm -hmm. minutes that you can run at that rate. And you said that even elite mm -hmm. athletes can maybe stretch it for two hours. So how mm -hmm. much improvement can there be made and how we, how does that, um, how do we do that? You, you train by running at high heart rate. <laughs> That's where the speed work comes in. So, you know, all the things that you mentioned at the opening of the, your, your discussion today, they all fit. I'm not saying any of them don't fit. I'm not saying I don't use all of them. I agree with all of them. You know, you want to go faster, you need to train faster. You know, there is that. Um, if you want to go longer and become more efficient going longer, you need to train at low heart rate. You know, when, when you're toward the end of your 5K example, it may sound instead of every step, you know, right? It, that's an extreme, but it may sound more like when you're really pushing hard, may sound more like because <laughs> you're exhaling more waste product gases than you're inhaling, right? You're exhaling um, CO2, uh, you're exhaling um, uh, car, uh, uh, you're exhaling nitrogen, you're exhaling hydrogen, all those waste product gases, um, you're exhaling them. Um, and, and you're only inhaling a little because you're using glycogen, all, all no fat, it's all glycogen. You know, you can actually, a marathoner that trains too fast, too long, all their training runs are just too high a heart rate. They can actually put on fat. All that training, 20 mile run, they can actually put on fat because they're using too much carbohydrate, not enough fat. And they're also creating too much cortisol, which is a fat inhibitor, which is not good at all. But you can actually do a marathon train the whole season. Your motivation is to lose fat and you actually put fat on because you're training too fast. I'm talking marathon training. Well, that'll be a motivator for uh, some of us that are <laughs> going down. out too fast. So, so David, let me ask you um, about the 80-20 rule, because I guess um, this sure. is where it comes in. You've said that all these runs can be implemented, but um, tell us about the 80-20 rule. Sure. Um, the concept is, is, and it could be, you know, if you're really doing high, high, well, hang on a sec. 80-20 um, really is 80% 
low heart rate, aerobic work, generally speaking, slower than marathon race pace. Um, and the 20% would be high heart rate work, threshold runs, you know, where you can go 20 minutes breathing hard um, or, or two sets of 20 minutes or whatever, or even five minutes or, or whatever. Um, interval or repetition work where you're on a track running 400 meters, 800 meters, whatever that is. Um, most groups use the term interval and repetition to mean the same thing. I actually divide them just because I need to call them something different um, for different distances. I call, um, again, most just intertwine these two names. I call repetition work, anything up to 800 meters and interval training from 800 to a mile. Just so I have a term, you know, it's not common, but anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, I, if you're going really long volume, if you recover quick enough to do like 80 miles, 100 miles, or, or what pro athletes will get up to 140 miles in one week, I would then say you probably want to revert to more like 85-15, where it's 85% low heart rate work and 15% high heart rate work, right? Or speed work. Um, speed work, you know, getting on a track and running 200 meters, 400 meters also starts to recruit and train faster muscles. So you can go faster. You're engaging faster muscles, Um that there are other ways to engage faster muscles, but that's another story. That's um, cool. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that this, but that's an 80, 20 concept is, is most of your work is building endurance and some of your work is build, just raising the bar and building speed. Okay. So we've alluded to it. Can we talk about some workouts that one should see in your marathon training plan? And then of course, can you talk a little bit about when one should be running the shorter distances, such as 400 repeats, 200 repeats versus, mm -hmm. you know, six minute repeats. Um, you know, you, you probably want to make it, uh, well, you, you want to switch it up, right? I think, um, and I've heard this from pro coaches that probably for a marathon, the most efficient way of speeding you up are these threshold runs where you're going longer at high heart rate for longer periods of time, right? Just high heart rate, longer periods of time, and you slowly build higher and higher and higher and higher. Usually you get up to about 20 minutes for a threshold run. You know, it's not going to be as fast as like 400 meters or even 200 meters. That's way faster. It would be like what you do maybe even a little slower than a 5k run, but you'd only go 20 minutes. Or, or a little a little slower than a 5K run would be like a threshold run. You know, you don't have to run 5K race pace, but to, to have pretty high heart rate. Um, but that would probably be the most efficient way to do it. Now, why do you want to do... Oh, the percentages would be, according to Jack Daniels, I remember in his book, about 12% of what you do 12 of the 20%, 12 of the 20%, the 20% high heart rate, right? 
About 12% of that, he would recommend PhD in exercise physiology of nothing. Jack Daniels has nothing to do with the, <laughs> the, the famous coach. He actually coached Ryan Hall for a while, who, who set the U.S. marathon record, a very prominent high-end coach. Anyway, 12% of your high heart rate work uh, would be threshold work. And about 8% of your high heart rate work would be like interval repetition work, right? So I, that would really define it. Um, I think it would more depend on the individual, but that was from a real elite coach, his suggestion in, in his Daniel's Formula book that he wrote. It's a popular running guide to training. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And then... Um... We hear a lot about strides. Why are strides so important? Well, the other reason you do speed work, especially like 200 meter, 400 meter, is you're engaging fast, you're, you're recruiting fast muscles, right? Your recruitment means you're taking, you know, half the muscles in your body are dormant because You'll note when you get closer to a marathon, you, you need to eat more. You're starving, right? Because you're recruited more dormant muscles. Even a few more muscles recruited and active will cause you to need to eat more fuel, eat, eat, eat more food, which is fuel, um, becomes fuel. But when you're going really, really fast, you're engaged, you're recruiting faster dormant muscles. Um, there's a whole neurological discussion, fast twitch, slow twitch. When you're going slower, you recruit slower twitch. When you're going faster, you recruit dormant fast twitch, or also you train more of the middle range muscles, which we call fast oxidative glycolytic muscles. They go both ways, slow and fast. You can train them to go faster. So, you know, really short 200 meter, 400 meter will will also in, start to recruit and train certain muscles to go faster that will take you faster. That makes sense. Yes. No, it does. It completely does. Um, but even going at low heart rate and recruiting more slow twitch muscles will help you go faster on a marathon because the more muscles you recruit, the more muscles you're using, the stronger you are, the stronger you are, the faster you can go. Which is also why we want to strength train our legs, contrary to what I used to think. Absolutely. Don't strength train your legs because you're going to run anyway. But I guess that's the whole concept, right? Absolutely. And less risk of injury. The stronger you are, the more pounding you can take, the more speed work you can do. Yeah. Less and risk so, of injury. All yeah, these and things fit together. They do. It's like a puzzle. It's awesome. Yeah. So, David, um, so then let me ask you this. Um, is there anyone that this type of training, the 80-20, the polarizing would not be a good fit for? Would you recommend that to a brand new runner that wants to just finish a marathon too? Or is this um, just for people that are, say, want to qualify for Boston, for example? Got it. Well, sprinters would never train the way we, we do. I actually heard in person Carl Lewis tell a group of us, Carl Lewis won, what is it, 10 gold medals for 100 meter and a long jump or whatever. Anyway, he won like 10 gold medals. 
He said, quote, I will never forget this. I am not a runner. <laughs> One of the greatest sprinters, men sprinters, you know, in since in the 80s, certainly, if not the last hundred years. I mean, there are some maybe comparable, but not much better. You don't get better than Carl Lewis. I, I am not a runner. Um the point being is when you're a sprinter, you do not train the same way. You know, us marathon runners do not need to do sprinting. We don't benefit from it. Vice versa. They don't benefit from going the long, slow run. We were all about to do a five mile run, five miles in my life, because it would not have benefited him as a sprinter. So that said, there's a whole group. You don't need to do the long, slow stuff because you're sprinters. You're only going 100 meters, 200 meters or whatever, 400. At any rate, um, those who are beginners need to build an endurance base. If you don't have that, um, if you don't have that endurance base, you're not going to be able to go fast for very long. So it's like, what's the point, right? So you'd first... For a very, really beginner person, you need to develop that endurance. You need to develop that low heart rate base first. And then you can start doing the speed work. And then you can intersperse the two together, the 80-20, and then you can really grow. You know, But somebody, a couch potato right off the couch, couch to 5K, they need, <clears throat> at first, all aerobic, low heart rate, build that endurance, build that fitness. Um, adding in the, the other speed stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, thank you so much for explaining this. I love digging into the science. I know you're the perfect person to talk to about this because oh, you thanks. know how all that stuff works, even from uh, what's going on in our cells. So I'm super grateful. And um, for our listeners that want to follow you, want to see what you do, how can they reach you via uh, social media? Um, social media. I'm now LA Roadrunners dash group page on Facebook and actually LA Roadrunners on Instagram, although I don't control that one. Um, but LA Roadrunners dash group page on Facebook, I, I kind of watch all the time and post stuff too. Um, or they could email me at David L at McCourtFoundation.org um, is my new coach email, David L at McCourtFoundation.org. Um, I email, I do the old fashioned email thing. Um, uh, that, that, that would sum it up. That, Thank that you. Would get me pretty quick. Thank you, David. I really appreciate this. Anytime, anytime. I'm, I enjoy doing it. I, and thank you for your interest. All right, David, thank you so much a thousand times for speaking with me. Um, I feel like we got a lot of answers to questions we didn't even know we had, which is great. And um, now we can, you know, go for our runs and just not feel bad, not feel so bad about running slow because of all the benefits that uh, running slower has for us. Yeah, it's plus a lot of people are probably excited to hear that occasionally they can run slower because <laughs> it's easier usually not if it, not occasionally right 80 percent slow 20 percent faster so if you want to 
If you want to see more content, you can also join our Facebook group, the Speed Striders group, which is a global running group where we do all sorts of challenges to help motivate each other. And our new challenge that we're starting this week is a blackout clear all bingo where we do fun things such as taking an ice bath and running in the snow if you have any snow and you do that in a group and whoever blacks out their bingo board first with their group they win do they win a t-shirt they win our speed strider running shirts and then we also had another company donate a free coaching month for one of the runners so that's kind of exciting that is exciting and do you have anything else ryan Happy running. All right. Have a great day of running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.